0: Happy Mother's Day, West Bulls. How are you doing this morning? Good. We have one thing in common here today. Well, probably more than one thing. But one thing at least. Each and every one of us sitting here has a mother. Yes? I don't think they've perfected uh, <laughs> test tube babies yet without a mother and don't know that they ever will. But everyone in here has a mother. And... Um, I'm reminded uh, through the praise and worship, and especially the song selection this morning, um, what a high calling it is uh, to be a mom. It's interesting, and we'll look there in a minute. In fact, we can look there right now in Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Genesis chapter 3. You remember uh, the story, many of you. Adam and Eve have just sinned. And God is now there. And God shows up and He curses the snake. He curses the ground. Interestingly though, despite what is often commonly thought, nowhere in Genesis 3 does God curse either Adam or Eve. In fact, nowhere in Genesis 3 does it even say that God is angry. We just assume that. And it could be that we have God angry here, but it could be as well, given context, that our God here is, angry or not, heartbroken. He comes into the garden asking the question, crying out the question, Where are you? And it may be, that as God turns from the snake to His children, Adam and Eve, that there are tears falling down His face. Where are you? And it may be a better reading of Genesis 3, or an alternate one at least, is not of a God punishing and cursing these children that He loves but rather God explaining to His kids what life's going to be like now that sin has entered into the world. And in Genesis 3.16, for today's purposes, He gets to that first mother, to Eve. And it's interesting in Genesis 3.16 that God talks about those two most intimate relationships that a woman will experience in her life and the effect that the fall will have on them. Her relationship as a wife and her relationship as a mother. And God says with regard to motherhood, moms, it's going to be really, really hard. As far as being a mom is concerned, the NIV, that English translation, puts it this way. Eve's pain in childbearing will be greatly increased. The uh, comedian Carol Burnett once described labor pains this way. She said, grab a hold of your bottom lip and stretch it back over your head. Those of you who have had children may say, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. In the opinion of many, however, there's more going on here in Genesis 3.16 than only the pain of giving birth, however painful that process may be. The original Hebrew behind the English childbearing could easily be translated child-rearing too. So the pain in a sinful world for a mother, really, the really hard work of being a mom includes not only labor pains, but also pain that's involved lifelong in raising kids in a fallen world. Moms especially, don't they feel every cough, every sniffle, every scraped knee, every broken bone down to the core of who they are as moms. A mother's pain and childbearing extends in a fallen world from cradle to grave. It's really, really hard being a mom. But even in Genesis 3, there's good news. There's gospel. As you heard the choir sing, Moms, you belong to Jesus and He belongs to you. You're not alone in your pain. God is with you. You see it in Genesis 3.15. With the promise of a Savior who we know as Jesus Christ who will crush the snake's head and fix this sin-fallen world problem. You see it in Genesis 3.21 where God makes clothes for Adam and Eve. God gives what we're going to need. God gives basic necessities to see us through the pain. God gives moms... But they need to bear the pain and to raise their sons and daughters, regardless of what a fallen world tries to throw in their way this morning we 're in for a treat i 've asked um, one of her own mothers, West Bowles, Julie Burns, to uh, share her story of what it means to to be a mom of um, the painful tasks of childbearing and childrearing. And also her story of, of God there with her in and through that pain. Giving her what she needs. She'll tell you, I think, she's a bit out of her comfort zone. She doesn't like to wear that thing, I know. She sings up front, but uh, doesn't often speak. I am very grateful that um, she is willing to share with us her story. So if you would please help me give her a warm West Bulls welcome, Julie Burns.
1: Good morning. Is this, is this on? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm used to being up here every Sunday, but I'm not used to talking, so it's, it's much harder because... Um, I know what I'm singing, but um, thank you so much for. Um, it's just, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me to uh, speak. I um, I've been a mother for 10 years now. Um, when I was first asked to speak, I I actually thought that maybe uh, I would talk about Chloe, my daughter, who's had cancer. That's been a major topic in our family for the last three years. Um, but it goes parenting goes beyond that. Um, motherhood starts even before you have children. And I have four wonderful children, and I've had lots of ups and downs with all of them. So I'm going to just um, walk you through my story of my motherhood, um, of being being a mother. Um, there's been different chapters in my life, and the first one starts out with wanting to become a mother. I, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to limit my ums too. <laughs> I got married when I was 20, Uh, John and I were married for a couple years before we decided that we wanted to um, maybe start trying to have a baby. Um, It was a really good time for us to bond together as a couple and um, get to know each other and finally um, just come to the point where we had a lot to offer. We felt like we were ready to become parents, so we decided to uh, try to have a baby. At that time, I was going through nursing school. So I was doing 12-hour night shifts, and um, I was really busy. And I got pregnant during that time. And um, interestingly enough, I was doing my internship in labor and delivery at St. Joe's, where I delivered all four of my babies eventually. So I knew the hospital in and out. I graduated when I was seven months pregnant, which was pretty pretty close time being there. And uh, within a month after graduating, um, we went in to check the baby out. We went in for an appointment, and the baby hadn't dropped. She was still head up, and I kept um, trying to push her down. You know, she was stuck up in my ribs. And I, the whole time, I thought it was her bottom. But it turns out I had been cranking on her head the whole pregnancy. <laughs> so um, they tried – they were going to do a, a procedure called aversion, where they basically – what ended up happening was they, they lay you down on a table and squirt all kinds of ooey gooey, you know, jelly on you. And the two doctors take a hold of both sides and they try to turn the baby. Well, this happened and it was it felt like a football inside of your stomach, imagine this, and turning. I could feel every elbow and knee scraping and I mean, I was screaming. So they managed to get her turned around as soon as they let go, she sprung back into place, <laughs> and I just about passed out. Um, and then they put the monitor on, on my belly and tried to find the heart rate, and I, we heard a very sickening sound. It was ba-bum, boom, 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 and they said, "We're losing her," or "We're losing the baby." We didn't know what it was. So that was really scary because I had been at that hospital and I had seen this happen before. I turned to John, very calmly said, they're taking me back for an emergency C-section. And everyone's pulling on scrubs and everything, getting the bed out of there and saying, prepare the OR. And they rushed me back in there. And by the time I got in there, they they put the fetal monitor on me and checked again. And her her heart rate had returned um, to a pretty normal rhythm. So they monitored me there for about four or five hours And then decided that she seemed like she was doing okay. And they sent me home and said, if you don't feel the baby move by tomorrow, then come back in, because you may have lost her. (laughs) So I said, okay. So we went home. We were exhausted from the whole traumatic experience. And uh, I I slept really hard that night. And probably the biggest reason why I slept hard is because I didn't feel anybody kicking me all night long inside. And I got up the next morning. I remember I slept until about 8 o'clock. And um, I was used to getting up around maybe 6.30 or 7, because... You know, all, all the kicking and the movement, I couldn't, it um, was really uncomfortable. But I'd slept in, and I realized with a sickening thought that I hadn't felt the baby move since we left the hospital. So I went in, and I woke John up, and I said, we've got to go to the hospital. I i can't feel anything. And so we got in the car, and, and we started driving down. And um, we were both crying. We were both praying and going, oh, man, you know, I, please, God, just be with our baby. And don't do not allow this to happen. I could just see it just ruining you know, our marriage even. I mean, it was just, it was a very stressful time. And, and we'd worked so hard to get that far. And So, you know, we were holding hands and praying and crying. We got to the hospital. She still hadn't moved. They strapped me in. And finally they came in. They pulled out this little buzzer thing. It looks like a little neuralco shaper. And they held it on my stomach. It kind of buzzed. And it went whoop, like this. And I just was like, thank you, God. You know, I, she was she was just sleeping. She was stressed out as much as we were. And it was just a big relief. I thought, oh, gosh, you know. And this, this, all this happened before I even saw my baby. So I guess my point was that motherhood starts before you even hold your baby. I mean, I was so emotionally invested. And I, we had, you know, gone through nine months. And already I felt like if I lost this child, I, it would just tear my heart out. And I hadn't even seen her. The next week, they scheduled a C-section for me. Um, interestingly enough, it was the day that I also took my uh, nursing state boards. I passed. <laughs> um, I went in at 9 in the morning, and, um, and then when I was walking out after the test, um, they said, wow, you look like you're due sometimes. And I said, yeah, today at 2. <laughs> so they said, wow, okay. So, um, I mean, you know, it was a routine C-section. It went really great. Um, uh, John, I, I kept telling everybody, you know, make sure that you get a stool for my husband because he's going to pass out. But he actually ended up, you know, peeking over going, ooh, you know, and describing what they were doing, which I didn't even really want to know. But. Um, and then out came a little baby, and she was perfectly pink, beautiful. It was amazing. And they said, you have a daughter. And I just cried. I just couldn't even believe it. We didn't know what we were having. And I, I kind of always thought I was going to have boys. And... Um, had brothers and stuff and and so here was this perfect little girl and i just fell in love Um, she's just beautiful she had the softest cheeks and we named her grace because of god's great grace um, and undeserved um, gift to us and um, we ended up going home because i had a c-section it was kind of a difficult recovery you know i couldn't um, do a whole lot but the hardest part about the recovery was that um well, it's hard, hard to explain this child was so perfect and it made me feel that much more inadequate <laughs> she's so cute um i felt like the most inadequate person in the world and uh, looking back now i realized it was postpartum depression i had a lot of hormonal things going on a lot of real problems in my thinking about you know i can't do this i can't be a mom and um Everybody loved this child. She was the first grandchild on both sides, and I felt like, oh man, I I'm, I'm just not gonna, I'm not up for this task. And I cried every night for at least a week. I just sobbed, and and then I felt guilty for sobbing. I thought, oh gosh, you know, now everybody knows I'm a terrible parent. I haven't even started, you know. So, but pretty soon, um, those. Those hormones and everything worked itself out. I started, you know, my girlfriends were so great. They took me out for coffee and introduced me to Starbucks and stuff. And I, um, you know, would take her out. And it helped just get out of the house and feel like a human. And I had been wanting to um, go right into nursing. My nursing career was ahead of me. And it didn't occur to me that I couldn't really, I mean, you can do both. But it was going to be harder than I thought. So I ended up staying home full time with a baby, changing diapers. And, and not talking to anybody, it was really hard from going to an intellectual environment to staying home changing poopy diapers with a crying kid all day. And I was just, that was really tough. So the first year was really probably the biggest adjustment of my life. It was, it was a whole new world to me, very stressful. But by the time she was about one, I just started thinking, you know what, this is, I think this will be Okay. So we we thought we were really good parents. She was the perfect kid. She played baby Jesus um, in one of the Christmas pageants, and and just smiled and looked around the whole time. Didn't cry. Little Lord Jesus, no crying he made, you know. And she just she was just great. And um, and we took her everywhere. It was really easy with one kid. Looking back, <laughs> at the time it was so much work. But now I'm like one kid. Yeah, that's easy. Um, we decided to have another baby. So we um we tried again to get pregnant and we were successful and um along came my second baby and last service i I feel like i did her disservice because she was quite a handful when um she was a little 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 thing she's such a great kid now so i'm just going to tell you that right now before i tell you all the horror stories um i was in labor for 49 hours um which means that you know technically it wasn't in labor yeah i was in labor um, it was, <laughs> they were coming seven to ten minutes apart. So, you know, I wasn't sleeping for two days straight. wasn't eating because your digestive tract shuts down. And so I was exhausted by the time we got finally to the hospital to where I could actually push. So I started pushing, and then I said, um, we're going to need to get um, her out with forceps. So they take out these salad tongs stick them in there and put you know the doctor literally puts his foot up on the table and tugs and I thought they were going to tear her head off but she came out she came out okay and um and she was bright red she was just perfect I've been trying to decide what to name her um I named her Olivia which means olive branch or peace and uh, which was ironic because she uh, brought a lot of disharmony into our family at first (laughs) but now she's very peaceful (laughs) And she it's important for her that everyone gets along now. So it, her name ended up fitting her perfect. But at the time, I was trying to figure out how to spell Olivia. Should I spell it with an A to be different or as an O? But she came out a big O. She had a round head. She had a big round lips and big round eyes. She was just, oh, you know, crying and, you know, just ready. And, and she was just voracious. I mean, she took everything I had and wanted more. She, um... I, I started having problems breastfeeding because she just she just couldn't get enough and everything, so I was going through all kinds of um, problems with that. I was up around the clock you know every hour, and finally, after about two weeks, I couldn't take it. She'd been crying and fussy, and so i just I fed her bottle and she sucked eight ounces down I mean that's you know for a baby that was a lot, and I was like, oh she's starving, so we started just feeding her the bottle and just gave up the whole thing and you know I felt guilty about that, but the, there's so much maternal guilt involved in mothering that you've got to let some things go. So I, that was the first thing I let go. She's having a bottle so I can sleep. Um, so um, she, because she had been stressed inside, I'd been in labor so long, they literally squeezed the poop out of her, um, and she had inhaled some of it into her lungs. So she had um, what's called meconium in her lungs, kind of coated it, made it kind of sticky. And so she was prone to breathing problems that first year. She had a lot of... Um, problems catching colds and, and breathing and, and when she was three months old she had caught one particularly nasty cold and, and I got up one morning and I, I'd been you know kind of peeking in on her throughout the night and um, she was having chest attractions which is just, you know like that kind of thing and turning blue um, so I called my neighbor who was a nurse she came over and said you need to call 911 and I did I called 911 and an ambulance came and picked her up and it was so scary I mean I just Ugh, it was just horrible. Rode in the ambulance down there. She's trying to breathe and struggling. And then we got her into the hospital, and they gave her, you know, some ventilation and stuff and opened her up. And um, and then she continued throughout the whole first year of her life to have breathing problems. And we had to take her down to the hospital several times. And she um, she was on steroids and a ventilator and all this stuff. And we even had one at home that we could um, give her. Um, and she got to where she would just hold it herself. <laughs> so it was really a scary time for me because we hadn't had any health concerns with Grace and um, sweet Olivia was just trying so hard, you know, to breathe, and I was trying so hard to hold onto her and not let God have her. And I, I was not going to let this child go. I loved her so dearly, even though she just, you know, was a handful. <laughs> but I, I loved her and i didn't want to let her go to god and um there actually came a point where i literally made the choice to give her to god and it was with a lot of tears and with just this feeling of abandonment i i just gave her to god and i realized that she was as much of god's child as i was and that god had a plan for her life just like he did for me and he's brought me this far and he will bring her as far as her days are numbered and I had to trust that. I I had to because my other choice was holding on and being so exhausted to the point of my own health failing. So I I just said, God, you've got to take her because um I, I just can't I can't do it. I'm not gonna keep her alive, I'm not gonna keep her well, only you can do that and and it was a really tough decision and like I said with a lot of tears I just prayed, God, please just take care of her for me because I can't do it on my own. And after that it was it really left me with a sense of peace that um, God was watching after my kids and that no matter what happened, um, he knew their lives. He knew every moment. He knew everything about them more than, more than I did, and I trusted him. So once her breathing problems were done after the first year, then she went into the terrible one and a half. And um, that's, you know, every night, rah! She was so sweet in the morning She'd wake up and smile But, you know, as soon as she was hungry She'd start screaming Or if she didn't get her way or something And um, she was a very strong kid Very, she's still athletic She, um, and I used to have to put her in her room You know, with the baby gate And then she learned how to knock the baby gate down In like five minutes So, um, then I put a lock on her door She learned how to pop that off So I remember just holding the door While she's screaming and crying and pounding on it You know, she's one and a half She's a little girl and one day she actually ripped the door off the hinge because she slammed it. It still doesn't close right, you know, when you shut a door. So, <laughs> But she's um, she turned into such a sweet little girl. And, and I think the first time um, I started really enjoying being a mother was when I saw my two little girls playing together, Grace and Olivia. They were so sweet. And they would, you know, share the toys and they would talk. And I just... Really, that was the turning point for me, is, is realizing there are rewards in motherhood. That's a lot of joy. It's a, it brings me a lot of joy to see them playing. And I started really enjoying it. And so we started thinking, maybe we'll have some more babies. And, um, and actually, about that time, I went back to work, too. I got a part-time job at um, a jail at Arapahoe County Detention Center. Um, I had lost a lot of weight because um, I was having migraines, so I was following a very strict diet. I was working. I felt great. I felt wonderful, but um, I started wanting to eat ice cream and stuff that I have to avoid. And so I thought, you know, if I get pregnant, I'm not going to have migraines because that's just the way my body works. And um, John told me last night, he didn't know that that was my (laughs) (laughs) reasons. Anyway, we all have our reasons, Um, but I got, we did, we did get pregnant again. And I just didn't feel very comfortable with the pregnancy. I just felt like something was off. And it, I remember it was on Mother's Day. Um, that Everybody was saying, congratulations, we found out just the week before. And I remember being a little upset because I didn't want everyone to know yet just in case it didn't take. And sure enough, I ended up having a miscarriage. and um, And I really felt like God spoke to my heart while I was having this carriage and, and saying, my timing is perfect. Trust me on this. And, um, you know, this child was only meant for this short amount of time. And I will bring you another one. And, um, and this one, the next one will stay with you longer. And I just I just felt a peace. And so I, again, trusted God. And within um, nine or ten months later, we got pregnant again with um, Chloe. And Chloe was, um, we, was the first kid that we found out what we're having. She was our, you know, third girl. I really wanted to find out because we had uh, two girls already. So are we going to be an all-girl family, or are we going to be introducing a whole new element, like you know, a little boy into our family? So, John, I know everyone was like, "You're trying for the boy," but he's king of the roost, so don't feel bad for him. Um, what they say about that old wives' tale about. You know, it, you know, if your kid has a lot of hair, if you have stomach problems and all that, it is so true. Because Chloe had so much hair, and I had all kinds of problems. So, <laughs> but she was so cute. She looked like a little Eskimo baby or something. And, and they used to, the nurses every time they came back from the um, the little neonatal nursery would poof her hair up and comb it up. I think they just like to play with it. So she was, you know, had this fluffy head of hair. <laughs> some people say it looked like she had a wig on her head, you know. <laughs> so with all of my kids, I would de- dedicate a scripture to them. I started this with Grace, and I just I my original idea was to pick out a scripture that I was eventually going to put in a plaque form or something on their wall so that they would have some scripture to kind of live by, just their own personal scripture. So for Grace I picked out Psalm 145. For Olivia, I picked out Psalm 8, and for Chloe, I picked out Psalm 116. And I picked the scripture out while I was pregnant with her, before I even had her. And I wrote two, and then kind of left it blank, and then I wrote the tentative date, you know, didn't quite fill in the day, because who knows. And um, and so when she was born, I filled into Chloe, you know, um, November 28th. Oh. What year was she born? Oh, one. And, um, <clears throat> a couple of weeks after she was born I went back to look at the scripture and I realized it had the word death in it and it talked about sorrow and struggle and I thought what have I done dedicated this kind of a morbid scripture to my child and of course you know when you're a new parent you at least for me I was a mother bear I mean I didn't want any words that meant anything bad around her I didn't want anything associated so I crossed it out of my bible and I I continued to look for another scripture, something uplifting and, you know, how cute she was and stuff. I could not find another scripture. I just wasn't led to another scripture. And so I finally went back and wrote to Chloe and wrote it in my Bible and thought, well, I guess that's her scripture. And she was the perfect little doll of a baby. She was very quiet as a matter of fact i hardly bonded with her at all she just sat there and she was so easy and she just watched her big sisters play and i used to tell people that i'd put her back in her box and put her on a shelf at night you know because she was a little doll and she was just so cute but um she was real quiet i didn't really feel like i got to know her a whole lot um and then along came our fourth one um Got pregnant um, for the last time, and I told John, "This is it. I can't handle anymore." You know, I was wanting two, he was wanting six. We settled on four, so I said, "Okay, I'll I'll have the fourth one if you seal the deal with a vasectomy." <laughs> so he did. Um, <laughs> so uh, we were done at, at four, and um, <clears throat> I had Georgia. No complications. That was it. Was a real blessing. I mean, my, my pregnancies were pretty uneventful, so that was good. But um, she again also had the breastfeeding issues, and it was she was up around the clock, and she was just she was a sweet baby. I loved her so much, and she she bonded with me a little bit more than with Chloe. And um, but I was so sleep deprived because Chloe was still in diapers, and she still had to buy a, a Bible. <laughs> she still had a bottle, and she slept with her Bible. No, um. So I I really didn't feel like things could get any harder. As a matter of fact, I was in the nursery one morning probably when Georgia was two months old and I was talking to Camry Rickman we were both doing nursery duty and I said um things can't possibly get any harder than they are now she's like why are you in here you look so tired and I said I am tired I haven't been sleeping I haven't slept in years (laughs) and I'm a zombie and you know I think it started with Grace when they did the c-section they took half my brain out and I just I just can't think and I can't function and I was just exhausted, and so I was saying, "Well, the good thing is, this is the hardest time in my life, really I mean i 've got four little tiny ones dependent on me. well, one of them was in school, so I got to help her with her homework and all that, and then the other two were keeping me up all hours of the night and um, and then Olivia, you know was just in the middle, but four of them were a lot of responsibility for me and two weeks later, it did get harder. <laughs> Um, we, we were going to go to, um, Walmart to do some shopping and I woke up one morning and I just, I remember this morning so clearly it's burned into my memory. Um, I remember Georgia crying, you know, just that little baby crying. Way, 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 way. And, um, Chloe, you know, his mom, mom, you know, and, and Grace and Livy were probably fighting or saying, well, I want my breakfast or something. And John's probably like, I want my lunch. I gotta go to work, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. But, um, I just remember laying there thinking, oh. I, I've i had it. You know what? I don't get any appreciation. Um, I'm sick of everybody needing me. Um, you know, I'm just, I just wanted to run away. And obviously I couldn't, but I was just like, you know what? I'm just not going to take it from anybody anymore. And, and something inside of me said, this is going to be a really hard day, so suck it up and have your pity party some other time. And so I was like, all right, because we were going to Walmart, and that was a big deal with four kids. <laughs> So, I um, I put on a pot of coffee because what the heck? I was having problems breastfeeding anyway. Gave Georgia a bottle, put on a strong pot of coffee, drank it. Got all kids ready. Got one off to school, you know. Told John I'd see him later at the flu clinic and flu shot clinic, and then we're gonna go straight from there to uh, Walmart. Well, um, we ended up going to the flu clinic, and I got my shot, and John got his shot, and Louie was getting her shot. And I looked down at Chloe and she had like some little, kind of like a rash on the back of her legs. And um, I thought, well, the West Nile virus has been going around and I was kind of in a mother bear state, you know. I was kind of really protective and I thought, maybe I better ask somebody about this because I don't want her getting a flu shot or anything that would harm her. So I pulled one of the nurses aside and I said, do you think, you know, maybe we should hold off on the flu shot? And she said, let me get a doctor to look at that. So she brought a doctor over and the doctor said, took one look at it and said, we need to get some lab work done. And I was like, okay, well, fine. And so we took her to the lab, they drew up some blood, and then we ended up waiting around there for about an hour. And it was ridiculous. We were just waiting around. We didn't know what we were waiting for. Finally, John's like, I have got to go to work. He's like, let's just do Walmart tomorrow, you know, we'll pick some milk up on the way home or whatever. And I was like, alright. And so he left, and then two doctors came in and said, "Miss Burns, where did your husband go? And I said, he just left, and one of them said, "I'll get him," and ran down the hall. You never see doctors running. <laughs> and um, and a second doctor came in and sat me down and said, uh, "Miss Burns, um, I have some bad news. Your daughter has leukemia." And I was like, "Okay." And it's really funny the things that go through your mind. Um, you can never be prepared for that news. Obviously, the first thought was, "Oh man, I wanted four kids. It's not weird." And you know, I'm thinking, "Okay, well we're n- down to three, and you know. And then the next one was, she's going to be okay. I just know it. And so we're back to four. (laughs) And then the next thought was, God is good. God has brought me through so much before, and he's going to be with me now. And I'm not worried, and I'm just going to let him have his way. And those things all happened in a flash. And then John came walking into the room, and he was crying too. I was crying. Um, and they explained to us the procedures and, and what was going to happen. And it was just a big whirlwind of, of information that we weren't ready for. So we ended up going down to the hospital. And they immediately started the chemotherapy on her. They gave her surgery and put a port in her. And, um, and that was the beginning of two years of, of a lot of difficulty and a lot of scary things happening, which could take a whole other two hours. But, um, <clears throat> anyway, we got through it. Um, but that first week in the hospital, I was... So 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 tired. I was already tired to begin with before we even knew she had cancer, and um, so about the third day, I opened my Bible up. I think John had packed me, you know, some stuff to take to the hospital, and, and one of them was my Bible. And it wasn't the one that I had been reading lately. I mean, I you know, got different versions or underlined certain things, and so I opened it up, and it kind of crackled open, and there was Chloe's scripture, Psalm one sixteen, and it talked about how death had hit its hands or its cords around her neck and that God saved her and I read that and I just felt chills go down my body and I realized that that scripture was chosen for her before she was born that God saw her and knew her before she was born and that he knew that that day would come that that day in the hospital that I would need some encouragement and that she would we would need to be reminded that God can save her from death, and only God. And that scripture gave me so much hope. Just in that scripture alone, I I spent the next two years going, you know what, God knows. He knows what's going to happen with her, and nothing I can do is going to change the outcome. I just have to sit in the passenger seat and let God do the driving. And um, he'll take care of things. And he did. He really did. Um, Sorry, Grace, about that picture. (laughs) Uh Um, Anyway, so we got through those two years. Um, I ended up writing down a whole lot of my thoughts in the hospital. I was um, very frustrated because I just felt isolated and alone. So I wrote down my thoughts and and put it into a book form, um, just hopefully to make available to other mothers. Um, We had spinal taps, you know, once a month, chemo every couple weeks, IV. And then the second year, um, we had uh, lots of oral medications around the clock. So I was still sleep-deprived and all that. Um, and finally she finished her treatment. I think it was, was it this year? No, it was, it's been a year and a couple months. So things are getting back to normal, whatever normal is for us. And I'm really enjoying, um, just the whole experience now of my kids getting older and the challenges that lie ahead. And we are entering into some new areas that I'm not familiar with, um, preteen stuff and, You know, just this whole new world. Um, There's obviously so many phases to being a parent, and you have to kind of be on top of all of them because they all require, they all have different needs and and different, I don't know. Yeah, I pray for wisdom and guidance through every stage that they go through because I really need it. And um, I officially became a soccer mom this year. We um, got a new chihuahua, and I'm finally, for the first time, trying to get in shape after a decade. So... It's it's crazy the things that you Go through as a mom Um, And I just I want our home to be a place Where my kids can come and bring their friends And um, for Us to honor God through our actions I want to teach my kids kindness And how to be a good friend to others So those are kind of the challenges That I have right now Um, I've got some great kids and I've got a great Husband and I love this church This church family and I was fortunate To have godly parents and So that's my story of motherhood, and um, I just want to thank you so much for uh, letting me speak today, and and I just want to give God the glory because I couldn't have done it without him.
0: In the um, introduction to Julie's book, When Your Child Has Cancer, Reflections from a Mother's Heart, she says uh, simply, I hope this book sheds some light into the heart of a parent whose child has cancer. Chloe Burns, this is um, the psalm that your mother, with God's help, I'm sure, picked for you. Psalm 116, 3-6 The cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow, and then I called on the name of the Lord, O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous, our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, He saved me. Bless God. Have a blessed Mother's Day and a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless you.